0: Uh, and you'll, you'll hear some things in here, I think, that will be helpful. But in 2015, they did a survey of 2,200 parents uh, of, of kids up to age 5. And they said that 54% wished that they had more information on how to parent, parent well. That uh, 58% found that uh, parenting a small child was both uh, motivating or, and, uh, but also terrifying at the same time sixty nine percent stated that they knew uh, that they they knew of if they knew of positive parenting uh, sort of strategies that they would use them and then more than half of the people uh, surveyed feel unprepared for the role of being a parent I, mean, I know I did when my kids started popping out into the world I was like Oof. you know what do i what did I do <laughs> you know it's just overwhelming at, at times but Fortunately for us, Proverbs has great wisdom on how to parent well, right? And today's message will look at wise parenting advice from the book of Proverbs. Now, I would say that the the job of Christian parents is to instruct their children in wisdom and the fear of the Lord to introduce them to Jesus, right? Through word, through lifestyle, through your witness, right, to your children, with them being able to witness your own walk of intimacy, right, and your conviction with Christ. Now, the parent is in the giving position, obviously, modeling and leading their children, um, providing opportunity for their kids to practice faith and charity. Children are in the receiving position, obviously, obediently observing uh, and practicing what they see and hear. And I know all of you have always been very obedient children to your parents, right? But have you ever watched baby birds when mom shows up at the nest, right, and they'll, all their heads just pop up and start wobbling around, and their mouths are like wide open just waiting for mom to shove a worm down their throat, right? Um, it's just children are like trusting baby birds in a sense. They'll look uh, to anybody. They'll take uh, whatever someone in authority over them uh, gives them until they can think for themselves. But even by that time, a lot of that stuff is embedded, right? So it is wise to feed them well at a young age and to prepare them to be sort of discerning with what others will try and feed them in the future or to even counteract what they hear now in the school, in schools or with friends, right? So ask yourself the questions. Uh, where will my children be fed right and strong beliefs and values in their lives right now? Where are they getting that? Where will they see the love, the grace, the mercy, and the charity of Christ sort of modeled and lived out before them? Where will they gain wisdom and discernment necessary for godly life, right? And comparatively, you know, how many hours per day or in, in their week are they taught and modeled these things as opposed to the opposite of these things, right? Right? Today we begin with two wisdom statements uh, from Proverbs, one to kids and one to parents, right? Proverbs 1, verses 8 through 10 states this. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to, ador- to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. Now this is a Assumes, obviously, that a parent's word and witness are of a godly nature, right? If not, uh, a child still has a heavenly father to which they can listen and rely, and hopefully they have other models in in their lives as as well, right? But if this godly wisdom is embedded within a child's soul from an early point on, and and they're thinking, it will serve as weapons against temptation in the world. It's just a truth. It's an axiom. Making them able to stand their ground and not be fooled by those in the world who would seek to lead them astray. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, you and I know that that is not 100% foolproof. Right? We all know that. It's an axiom. It's a general truth, right? In other words, without healthy values, healthy habits, there is very little chance, outside of divine intervention, of these things actually governing a child into adulthood, right? How could they? The kid hasn't been taught them. Now, don't, don't, don't get me mixed up. I'm not talking psychology. I'm not talking psychology. I'm talking about the power of the word of God in a child's life. There's a very big difference. We're not just tinkering with the mind. There's a power in the word of God, right? So if you embed these things at a young age, their chances of walking well into the future go up exponentially, right? That with healthy habits and healthy values taught to them, at least a kid will have that choice in the future as to which way they'll go, right? Right? they'll at least have something ringing around in their heads. So parents have all the tools. You have all the tools, but limited time to influence your children and very little control over the outcomes. And it's not our job to control, is it? It's hard for a parent sometimes, but it's not our job to control. It's, it's our job to model, to lead, and to release, right? Model, lead, and release. Trust in God that he will take our kids further and further in life. And we know that they are more his kids than they are ours anyway. They're all kind of on loan to us, right? Proverbs is believed to be written instruction from King Solomon to his children, right? And right at the start, in chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, we see this, the direction this passage uh, takes is parental, Right? The speaker as father encouraging his child to listen to the instruction of his parents to not forsake it, but to apply it in life. And the first instruction he dives into is to encourage his child to resist the temptation of sin and of sinners. And that's, that's not an old word. That is still the case out there, right? Sin and sinners. Some pastors out there say that we need to ditch the word sin. You ditch the word, word sin, you ditch the gospel. We're not doing that here. The first emphasis, though, for parenting relates to holy living. Holy living. With an awareness that God's presence is much more important than worldly success, right? Hence the well-known passage in 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it, right? Now the word uh, used for way in that passage is, in the Hebrew is, is um, often used in, st- in scripture as des- to describe a sort of a habitual way of living, right? So a parent, in other words, is setting the standards or the patterns in family life, habitual ways of living. It is ingraining it in us, so to speak, right? And from these two passages in Proverbs, a theme of wise parenting emerges right away, realizing that the primary goal of parenting isn't to raise children who are self-sufficient and contribute to society, but that we raise children who know God. That's your goal, to know, have your children know God, because that is true wisdom. By the way, self-sufficiency, hard work, and all those Wonderful little things that make a great citizen are natural byproducts of godliness. So make godliness your goal, right? Godliness imparted through family life naturally produces responsible, well-rounded children. It really does. Christian upbringing points towards Christ and towards the gospel in life, right? It concerns itself with beliefs and values and character rather than worldly success. Now, not all of us are equally gifted, believe it or not, (laughs) but everyone can share in equal beliefs and values leading to a godly character, and we're actually called to be in unity on those things. Godly character breeds success, but success is relative to the gifting of the person leading to happiness and wholeness. So success in the Christian life isn't defined by uh, sort of the worldly power or position or, or money a person obtains in life. Rather, it concerns itself with character and whether the gospel is actually our pursuit and how we live out of it, right? That was an amen, by the way. Somebody amen, amen there. <laughs> One example is uh, Ed and Mel. Now, if you can pronounce this name, I, I, I would yeah. applaud you. It's Zweig, Zwayguzin or something like that. And they have three children, Gabe, Christian, and Greta, right? And they call themselves Team Z, probably because they can't even pronounce their own last name. But in an interview, they were asked four questions, and I thought this was interesting. Firstly, they were asked, how did you come up with your family motto? And that is loving, encouraging, blessing, right? And they said that they always knew that they wanted to sort of invite their kids to participate, participate in the greater story of God in the world, but his young parents, they didn't really know how to do that, right? So one day, Ed was looking in his concordance under family, and he stumbled across 1 Peter 3, 8 through 10, which says this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be like-minded. You'll be amazed at how, how often that comes up in Scripture. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. And as this couple sort of reflected on their kids as individuals, they realized that each of them was sort of gifted and challenged in different ways. And when they boiled it down uh, to the essence of this passage, loving, encouraging, blessing, it seemed to fit their family well, so they went with it, right? And then they were asked, how do you live that motto out in relation to one another, right? Good question. And they said they try to be intentional in each decision they make uh, to be sure it reflects the larger story of God in the world and their chosen mission as a family. For example, when the kids were younger, they looked around at the the, sort of the cultural norm where life is endless sports, endless activities to the point a family is just running all over the place, sort of disconnected from each other. But it's all under the guise of their children learning teamwork or being socialized, right? And it hit them that they didn't want to cart their kids around like that. They didn't want to have them involved in loads of activities, missing that connection of family together, right? So they started exploring what would it look like if their family were that team, where they could learn teamwork and they can learn socialization. By the way, socialization does happen in the family. All the criticism towards homeschoolers is unfounded. All the homeschool kids I know are brilliant, wonderful children. Um, They never missed out. Um, But that provided them... Uh, a chance to be together, to practice loving, encouraging, and blessing each other, because in the family, it is the best place to practice these things. It really is. One of the most important times they spend is uh, at family dinner. So their family table is sacred. You know, they sit around it almost every night, and they never miss a meal together, right? And they they don't just eat, but they share their lives, what's been going on in their lives. There's, There's a connection there, you see. And then they were asked, how do you live that motto out in relationship with others, right? And so they said they try to be missional, not just living for themselves, but for others as well, to be an outward-focused family or outward-facing family. And one way they do that is by inviting people to their family dinner table. Another way was just to simply listen to the needs of their neighbors and do something about it. For example, when Greta was seven years old, she heard about um, the problems of clean water at church, and she sensed that great need, so she started this Walk for Water event in her community, and then she started a a nonprofit which gets a majority of its operating budget from that one event, and they claim it's a joy and a privilege uh, to participate in what God's doing in the world through these kinds of things, and they do that together as a family. Finally, they were asked, what sacrifices do you think you've made as you pursued living in these ways? In other words, intentionally and missionally. And they claim that this was the hardest part. This was the most difficult part. That They still ask questions like, should we have gotten our kids involved in, in that sport or encouraged them to do that job or what have you? But they always come back to their main question. What are we about? What is our mission as a family, right? And when you see your parenting role as being... Sort of a missionary and your children as a great part of that mission field it will change everything of how you view uh, everything else that falls under the category of parenting it really will it's it's a challenge by the way to be so intentional most people don't parent so intentionally just kind of let things happen and respond to them react to them but this is to be intentional with with your parenting right and part of being a wise parent is realizing that God is ultimately in control of your children and your family. Raise children in the path that they should, should go and let God, trust God with the rest, right? The game Yahtzee, I mean, I'm sure you've played it, involves rolling dice to gain sort of points, and the, the complete name of the game is Yahtzee, an exciting game of skill and chance. And just like so many decisions in life, including parenting, there is an element of chance every time you roll the dice. One ministry leader points out, he says it this way, Raising your kids in a stable, loving home can set them up well for the rest of their lives, but there's no guarantee. Lots of things can can and do go wrong in our world. Proverbs, by their nature, focus on the general rule, there it is, and not the numerous exceptions to that rule. The biblical wisdom books are not ignorant about this. In fact, these exceptions to the moral rule are what the books of Job and Ecclesiastes are all about, right? So scripture is very honest. You know, it gives you an axiom, but it says, you know, this is not foolproof. It's our responsibility, right? Proverbs reminds us that in uh, everything, including the sort of seeming randomness of the roll of the dice... God is still in control. We can't understand all that, but, but Proverbs 16.33 tells us this. The lot is cast in the lap, right? But it's every decision is from the Lord. I don't get it. You don't get it. And don't try to get it because you'll never get it. All right? But that means that we, when we enter the sort of uncontrollable arena of parenting, we can trust God with that outcome. And in the meantime, we can pursue his calling to raise our children in the way that they should go. Parents do definitely live in the uncontrollable arena of parenting, right? And in our day, now, some of you might get mad at some of these statements, but don't get mad, listen, listen well. In our day, there are many current issues that are challenging our families, right? If you read our church newsletters, I sent out a short conversation via text with somebody that I had last week. And that person asked, do you have any books or resources I can use to equip myself uh, with for talking to my kids about the whole gender politics, transgender nonsense that is running rampant? Some biblical but practical content to guard them against and lead them rightly, affirm confidence who they are, et cetera, and so on and so forth. This stuff worries me. Now, it, it should concern us right it should worry us at some level but not to the point of panic right leading us to be it should lead us uh, actually to be more proactive and intentional in our parental leadership and my response to that person was that this is a lifelong conversation with your children right and that it has much more to do with our walk and our witness before them as their parents that we are living our faith out Before them, allowing them to see uh, our confidence uh, as parents in biblical convictions and educating ourselves to be able to provide answers when they come up, when questions come up, Uh, praying for them, praying with them. Do you pray for your children? That's a good question. You should be, right? Embedding the word into your family life to counteract all these other influences out there. Inviting them to do ministry to others alongside of you as you do it, right? Do ministry as a family. Now, tough decisions might have to be made these days given many teachers and school boards have made children a target for morally corrupt teachings. And they are morally corrupt. Don't get all mad at me for that. This is We are a Christian church. We believe what the Bible says about life and and people. And they seek to openly undermine parental roles, right? If you think that that's not happening, you're blind. It is happening like crazy. Now, it may be a matter of protection. I I used to be a Total proponent for keeping our kids in public schools because I thought we need the Christian witness in public schools. But at this point right now, I it may be a matter of protection to either homeschool them or put them in a solid Christian school to help them develop before they're, they're having to be confronted with difficult issues. And that the reason being is you could trust teachers before, right? You don't know what you're getting now. You really don't. But the, re- the, the, the real answer comes, always comes back to us as parents. How is my walk with Jesus? M- mine, as, as dad, right? And my wife is, as mom. How is our walk with Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus closely? There are re- resources, of course, for you as parents to develop your own faith and your own knowledge uh, of, of the word to become more even more confident in your uh, ability to present life in Christ in a sort of productive way or whatever. And if your kids are young or you don't have any kids yet or you know, something like that, you're, and you're thinking about this right now, then you're in a good spot. Because it means that you can develop family life even further than you have already, which speaks of conviction and of knowledge and of faith in Christ in healthy ways. Remember, mom and dad are still king and queen. They are beginning and end for little kids, for kids at a young age. And your influence now, when they are young, will define your influence and your ability to navigate with them in the future, right? If you're seen as joyous, faith-filled, confident, convicted parents in in things of the gospel, they will respond well, right? Right? Parents who walk with Christ well, incorporating that into daily life. Not that you have to be perfect. Actually, you have to be honest about your imperfections, right? Remember, when confronted with competing messages from society as it relates to the gospel, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I've been using this verse quite a bit in uh, sermons, because I think it is so important for us right now. Taking captive every thought to Christ, every ideology, everything that you're taught, everything that you hear, every desire and, and whatever thought comes out of that desire in your head, taking it and making it obedient to Christ. That's important. And it tells us that we can process with our kids uh, when they are fed competing ideologies, right? Talking or taking the, the thoughts and, and the messages that they receive out there and comparing them to the scriptures and with a constant conviction that scripture is king. That scripture is king. It can be trusted. It's the very word of God from the mouth of God to humanity. That's what we believe. Amen, right? We do this, in habitual form, right? Like it, by practicing what, what we know as the Shema of Israel, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And it directs this way. It says, hear, O Israel. Now r- realize, it says, hear, O Israel. It doesn't say, hear, O parents, right? So all you single people, you need to listen to this stuff as well, in other words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So they're to to be seated in your emotions, right? Impress them on your children, right? Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, that is... I want you to notice how comprehensive... This faith life is right we do it everywhere at all times we don't just do it for an hour and a half on a sunday your faith your walk with christ is a relationship with the living god that you live and practice all over the place this holistic love of god is lived out completely before our families and before our communities If people don't know that you're a Christian, if they don't identify you as a Christian, you've got to start thinking about that. Why is that? Why is that? A couple of good questions for us as parents and as children are, are we growing in the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to Jesus? Are we relying on the wisdom of God rather than the cultural narratives that we're taught? Are we creating the kind of homes of which the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6 speaks? Those are good questions. So moms and dads, this week, pursue Jesus. And allow your kids to watch that and invite them into that relationship. Pray with them, pray for them, memorize scripture together, have devotionals together. It can take five minutes around the dinner table, right? Discuss issues against the Bible, right? Educate your own self. Um, Ask me for resources if you need them. I've got a bunch of books up here that are really probably pretty good, and my wife is actually reading a couple more books uh, that are directed towards children um, about these issues as well. But bring your kids to church always. Make church a priority, right? Get them in the habit of Christian fellowship. If you don't get them in the habit now, it won't be a habit in the future, right? Right? Make your home and uh, your home and your life one which reflects the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six. Find ways to invest wisdom into your children, and then place them in God's hand, trusting He's uh, in control. Fill your house with Christian music and media and books. Right? You know, you used to always laugh when you walk into people's houses and they had that little, me and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All those little pithy Christian things around—they're good. They're good. They're reminders, right? Now, kids, 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 and I was a kid, and I still am a kid in kind of way. But kids, love and listen to your parents. Love and listen to your parents. Give them the respect that they do deserve, because they do. You can learn from something from even the worst of parents, I- even if that's how not to be a parent, right? But most of us, I think, have pretty decent parents in this room, right? Stop kicking against the goads. Stop fighting against mom and dad. Listen well, right? Because I will guarantee you that your parents most likely are for you and not against you. And definitely, God is for you and definitely not against you, all right? Amen. We're going to uh, go into communion this morning. We're going to do it a little differently. Uh, we're going to kind of funnel up this way to this table and then go seated, be seated again. We usually have two tables. Today we're only doing one. So um, would you go to prayer with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a good father. You are the best of fathers. That when you created us, as human beings, that you created us in your likeness, which means you're a great mother, in a sense. That that both men and women reflect something of you, and we're, we we give glory for that, Father. We just we just praise you for that. We praise you that you have established this family to raise children and see them grow. And the joys and the pains of that are all lessons of your gospel. We ask that you would bless us as we walk this out. I pray that if there are families in here that are fractured, that you would cinch them back together. We pray that those things that we need to unload From our toolbox that haven't worked and will not work that we would do so and that we would replace those tools with your wisdom both as kids and as parents we pray for our children we pray protection over them and wisdom in them we ask that you would give us that wisdom to impart to them that you would help us to live the Shema out together as a family that we would make following and walking with you this wonderful relationship we have with you absolutely clear to everybody around us and habitual in the sense of really loving and walking you uh, life out with you in a consistent way and we know that on the night you were betrayed you took bread and after giving thanks, you broke it and you said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, you took the cup and you said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For, whoever, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until you return again. And we, we do this today to re- be reminded of that sacrifice you made on the cross. And also to remember just a few days later, you rose from the dead, that you paid the ultimate price for us, that you as a father loved us that much. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So uh, anytime you like, um, please come on up to the table from now until the end of the service, whenever you're ready, and just come up this aisle here and take the... The crackers. I couldn't find matzah. Sometimes they're sold out, so it's saltines, and uh, and dip it in the in the. It's grape juice, so you're okay, um, and um, and take it whenever you're ready. All right. And we we invite you to this table as a, a professing believer in Christ. If you're if you're here visiting our church today, and you've you, you know, you're wondering, can I go up? If, you're, if you profess Jesus, come on up. If you don't profess Jesus, this is something that I would say, just observe and watch. And uh, this is something that we do to be reminded of the gospel in Christ. Amen.